You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The key things about learning the Sefer Chafetz Chaim is that you become very familiar, especially when you don't want to speak Lashonar about someone, of donning someone Lakapschus. In other words, even when you see something, not assuming that it's bad. And even if someone tells you something and you, you're, uh, and that you, you trust that person innately, the information might not be what you think it is. Especially if a person has a history and a person's reputation, what you know he is, you need to assume the best. Even if you have to sort of bend the logic sometimes to accept that that's true. For example, if there's someone who is known the Chavetz Chaim says, is Yerei Elokim. So even though most people looking at it would say, why is he going into that red lobster? Why is he going in there? He must be going in there to eat. Look, he even put on a, he even put something on his neck. We have to don him a But Maybe he's going there to be Makar of someone. He's going there who's to, to save somebody from who, and this was a meeting he was having. And he put this thing on his neck because he didn't want to get some stuff splashed on his face. And not that he was actually going to eat the, the, the lobster that was trafe. Um Sometimes, um, that if you want to don Wakabschus when there's no excuse, the Chavetz Chaim says there's a way to even there don Wakabschus. Sometimes you have to say people, when they're doing something, they're angry about something else. And sometimes people are so angry, they do something that is usher, that's wrong, or that's negative. And therefore, even if you see something that's, that's raw, you should say, he's not a bad guy. And I don't, I'm not going to go tell people that, that he is a bad guy. Sometimes a person, because he's angry and frustrated over something, isn't always in control of all his actions. And you don't know what's going in the person's mind. That doesn't mean, oh, the guy's not really from. Um, what about if you see it happening? Should you go over to him and try to give him musr, give him tokocha? So, if you're supposed to don Lukavskus and not assume that he does do Averis on a regular basis or that that really wasn't an Avera, maybe you shouldn't say anything to him. So the Chavetz Chaim says, quoting uh, one of the, uh, the, uh, the Achronim that he likes a lot, the Yaraktana, that, that you can't give him Tochacha. Because he, first of all, you might have, he might not have done the Avera and you have to don Lukavskus. And even if he did the Avera, you know him to be a Yari Hashem and a Tzaddik. The Gemara says in Brachos that even though you saw the person do an Avera, you have to assume he did Shuva immediately. That's what the Chavetz Chaim quotes, the Yad Ketana. Chavetz Chaim disagrees, though. He says, yes, you don't assume it's an Avera, but you you still would have a Chiv to maybe speak to him and very carefully and try because and, and to do it in a way where you don't insult him, but you would have a mitzvah of tochacha in that case. Now that's if the person is known as a tzaddik. Let's say a person is a benani, that sometimes he sins, sometimes he he's okay. 
So here, if it's a 50-50 situation, and this is all based on Rabbeinu Yona and Shari Tshuva, the Chavetz Chaim says, you have to on him look But if most people would say he probably is eating at the Red Lobster, he is basically trying to stuff his face. Okay. Still, it should be a suffix. I'm not sure. In other words, if it's 50-50, you have to say no. Uh, I don't believe he was eating drink. If it's 70-30, maybe he wasn't. And obviously, if it's 70-30 the other way, <laughs> you have to assume he was not going into the restaurant in order to eat treif. One of the interesting questions that's brought up is, not everybody fits into easy categories. Tzadik, Benani. There are certain people that in terms of some mitzvahs, they're like tzadikim, even though they're Benanim about other things. Um, there are people, who, you know that, there are certain mitzvahs they're super careful about, even though others they're not. So let's say it's that type of mitzvah that you know this person is very careful on. So in other words, in terms of Shabbos, in terms of Lashon Hara, in terms of Shatnez, he isn't so from. But when it comes to Kashrus, this guy is excellent in Kashrus, and you know that. So should you treat him as a tzaddik if it's a suffix like that? Does he get the same adin v'kavzchus? So this is a, a, like all good questions. There's two sides. Some say that you got to look at him as what he is. True, he is always mocked in kashras. Still, we know he, he wears shotness, he does other stuff. So therefore, he doesn't get the shame tzaddik and you can don him lakavchov if it looks very, very bad. You could see that there's a room to disagree, but I, I hear that, Psak. Let's say you have somebody who's a third level. He's not a Tzadik or a Benini. You've seen him do Averis B'mezid. People have seen him do it publicly. People know that he meant it, and he was very obvious about it. So, Lechora, here, the Chafetz Chaim says, you've got to actually don him Lechavchov even if it's a 50-50. Because since he has never done shuva, even though in this specific case, maybe he wasn't going in to eat it, here, you have you have a right, and you should don a mukavchov, because part of what you want to do is, since he hasn't done shuva from all the terrible things that he's been doing, you want people to stay away from him, and it might be even a mitzvah, to speak Lashon Hara about him, to say these things about him, so people should uh, distance themselves from him. Um, what about a person that you really don't know? Um, and you really don't know much about him. You couldn't call him a tzaddik, you can't call him a benini, you can't call him a rosha. So, the Chavetz Chaim quotes here, not Rabbeinu Yone, quotes the, the Rambam, that says, if you don't really know, if you want to be a good person, don him l'kavzchus. Um, now, why? You know he's a Jew. So here's an interesting pshat. And I've talked about this a lot. What, is the, what does this mean? It says, B'tzedek tishpot amisecha. What does amisecha mean? 
So Amisecha is not Chaver, it's not Ochicha. Ochayach Tochiach is Amisecha. Obviously, the Shorish of the word is the word Am. But what does it mean? So the 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 Sefer Mitzvah Salavavos writes that Amisecha means you know him. It's only if you know him. If you don't know him at all, even though you have the knowledge that he's a Jew, but you don't have the mitzvah of Daniel Wakapschus in that case, because you have no idea who he is. And therefore, he doesn't even get the din of Abaini. I find that a big finish, by the way. I find that, um, however, again, it's in the Rambam. So, you know, the Rambam says the Midas Chasidus, it's hard to argue. To me, I would assume someone you don't know gets the assumption. Uh, maybe not of a tzaddik, but especially if it's a very a difficult situation, but I would say the case should be different. Um, just a couple of other things as we're talking about Ilchus Lashon Hara. I want to share with you a couple of other, I, I think, interesting questions in Lashon Hara as well. From Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, we mentioned him last night. Here is an interesting Shaila that I thought... Uh, you might enjoy. There was a woman um, who convinced her husband to drink wine. Now, why did she get him to drink this wine? She told him a lie. She told him that the lie was from the Babasali, or one of the tzaddikim, and it will be good for his neshama. And it was very strong wine, the husband drinks the wine and immediately pops off to sleep. Now, he fell asleep and he gets up and he said, why? Why did you stop me from drinking? I, I, I could have learned. Now, the reason why she stopped him is because she knew that he wasn't going to just have his normal night seder. She knew that he was going to go to uh, uh, like a kumzitz and a fabrengen and a party and she knew about what happens over there is that it isn't just such a frum party. That they schmooze and they speak Lashonara there. So therefore, she got him drunk. Now, yeah, he would have gone to the party, but he also had a, he did have a Seder after the party. So there definitely was Bittel Taira. So it sounds like the husband was very upset about what his wife did. Um, and because of that, the question came up to Rav Zilberstein. Uh, can the husband have real tainas on his wife for doing that? So, Rav Zilberstein said that um, if a person is very into Lashon Hara, right? let's take a look at the Pasuk. That says, um, right? That's the pasuk about not speaking Lashon Hara. So the Gemara says, hmm, I'll tell you what I should do. Um, I, I stop speaking. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just basically try to sleep as much as possible, stay away from people. So the Gemara says, um, no, that's what the next part of the Pasuk is. 
What's the next pas? Sur me rava tov. Meaning, yeah, don't speak Lashon Hara, but what you could speak is be involved with people. But be involved with people by learning Torah. Because Torah is, is good speech, is good interaction. We're sitting here and learning together. That's good talking to someone. Now, the Marsha says, the person figures, hey, I'll go to sleep, so this way I won't say Lashon Hara. No. Uh, if you learn Torah, first of all, it's positive. And also it changes you that you won't speak Lashon Hara, even though you feel you have a, a predilection, a tendency for it. So, the Rav Zilberstein says, you see from there, um, that it's not a bad thing to go to sleep if you feel you're very involved in Lashon Hara. Um, however, Torah is better than that. That's what the Gemara says. Sleeping is okay. At least he didn't say Lashon Hara. But learning Torah will turn you into a better person. So even though the guy was going to go to a party, maybe he would have gone and learned Torah, and that would have been better for him. So it seems like the wife was wrong in stopping him from learning. Unless you want to say that he was so connected to Lashonara that uh, she had a right to lie to him and get him drunk. The Gemara says a similar thing about um, the wife, of course, of Own Ben Peles. Um, what happened was not to be part of the Machlokas. What did she do? She got her husband drunk. Own Ben Peles was originally, the Pusik says, part of the uh, group that was against Moshe Rabbeinu. And what she did was she gave him wine in order that he shouldn't be part of the Machlokas of Korach Ba'adoso. So you see, a wife does have a right to stop her husband and even, you know, uh, go against his das, go against his rotson to stop him from doing Averus. Uh, she needs to protect her husband. Um, so Clearly, if the husband was so involved with Shonara, it could be that um, she did the correct thing. We'll stop tonight in our halochos with... um, Since this is the parsha of Brismila, with a a, a, a Hilchas Mila question. The question is, as you can see here on the board, is it mutter to push off a bris because you're trying to get a very special moel? Now, what's interesting is. The Pasuk says, in this week's parsha, Be'etzam ayom hazeh nimo avram. Now, um, the Medrash, Pirkei the Rebbe Yezra, says that Avram's bris, he was mal himself in midday, Be'etzam ayom. It was Be'chatzi ayom. And one of the questions, of course, is why didn't he do it right in the morning? We know, we learned from Ayashke of Avram Baboker, the Akeda, uh, that Zriz and Magdim Lomitsos. 
So normally we don't push off a bris. Well, what about if you can get a very good moel? Someone who's a tzaddik. Now, we're not talking about that the person who you can get at chatzos can do the bris better. You can get a moel who will do it just as good in the morning. But you want to have the schus to have this tzaddik to be the moel. So what can you, is, or can you push the bris off in order to have the autumn godel? So the question was asked from one of the geonim, the Torah's MS, and he said, you shouldn't do it. You have a moel who's good, and you can get him early in the morning. Why should you push a mitzvah off? Because clearly, it's a better mitzvah if you show that you're doing it earlier. In fact, the orla is considered a negative thing. Why should the little child have the orla on his body more than he should? And this way, it's better for his neshama to get that orla off as quicker as possible. Um, we know from the famous Gemara Nida. The Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said, why is it that we wait till the eighth day to have a bris? And of course, you know Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's answer is because she is a nida and we don't want, they can't hug each other, they can't be close to each other. And because of that, we don't want to have a bris, the Torah didn't want to have a bris, where the husband and wife are still sad that they were uh, distant from each other because they couldn't hug each other. And Right? So you see from Roshimar Chai's question that maybe it's, you should try to have the bris as soon as possible. We just don't want the parents to be upset. But every moment that you can gain not having the Orla is better. Now, you could say, however, isn't it a better bris when the one who's doing it is a, is a tzaddik? So the, the, um, this was the Ksav Sofer. Uh, I said Mikhtab Sofer. Uh, this was the Ksav Sofer actually wrote this. He said that his father, of course, was the great Ksav Sofer, um, was the Moel before he became the Rav in Preshburg, when he was the Rav in Matersdorf. And everybody would get up early and some sofer, even though every, he would try to do the bris as early as possible, he never pushed it off to when he had the time later during the day. Now, we know that many people do push off the bris. Um, are they wrong? Should we stop it? So he quotes a Medrash Rabbah, the Ksav Sefer. says, Me moes Yisrael b'Mitzrayim of Pesach. Who was the one who mauled the Jews before they ate from the Korban Pesach? So, Rav Barachi has said, in the name of Shimon Bar Yochai, Moshe was the Moel, Aaron was the Porea, Aaron did the Priya, Yeshua Mashke. Now, I'm not sure what it means here, maybe you know. Uh, Yeshua, I guess, gave him the, maybe gave him something to drink to, to stifle the pain. Or maybe he would pour onto the bris. Uh, mashka doesn't mean he would give him drink in his mouth. He would pour cold water or whatever was needed or hot water to wash the, 
uh, the Mokum of the Bris off. So that was the three of them. Moshe, Aaron, and Yeshua were all involved in mauling Klal Yisrael when they, before they left Mitzrayim. Some say that Yeshua was the Moel, Aaron was the Poreya, and Moshe was the Mashka. But either way, Chazal have a tradition that these were the three that were doing it. So the Ksav Sefer says, why Chazal are telling this in the name of Shimon Bar Yochai? There was obviously other people that could do it, right? How do you know that? Because we know that Shevet Levi didn't need to have Brismila done. Shevet Levi, all of them continued, despite how bad the Shibud got. And of course, Shevet Levi didn't have to be part of the Shibud. But despite how bad it got to everyone else and the spiritual level that people had sunk to, Shevet Levi didn't do Avodah Zarah, and Shevet Levi always had a bris. So that means there were people in among the Jews who knew how to do a bris milah, who knew how to cut properly and could be uh, could take proper care. Still, you see, Chazal are telling you that the, the big three were involved, Moshe and Aaron and Yeshua. Now, that obviously would take, if that's the way it happened on before they ate the carbon Pesach, before they left Mitzrayim, clearly everybody had to wait. And there were many people who waited hours to get it done. So you see from there that there is an idea of having your bris done by a great tzaddik. Because the type of kavana he could have is incredible. He could have kavana that we're also taking away the aura from the lave, not just the aura from the bosser. Um, obviously the same. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.